This is John Ziegler. During the taping of this episode of the Individual One podcast, number 135, we learned of the uh, absolutely startling news that the Capitol had been stormed by Trump protesters, forcing the Capitol to go on lockdown, uh, forcing uh, people to wear gas masks, forcing the process of certifying the election of Joe Biden as the next president of the United States to be further delayed. Now, while I do allude to that at the end of the podcast, I wanted to at least acknowledge it right up front because it is such a remarkable piece of news and we didn't know exactly where to fit it in uh, during the podcast. But yes, that happened just as we were taping this podcast. It is beyond all comprehension that this could occur in the United States of America. And it is obviously as a direct result of Donald Trump and Trumpism and his supposed rally for America that was taking place nearby, that uh, when you spend two months lying to people in your cult uh, that the election had been stolen, I guess it really shouldn't be a surprise that some people are going to decide to do crazy things and try to take things into their own hands because they actually think they're the ones somehow saving democracy. This is all on Donald Trump. And this is an incredibly sad day for America and for the world, a world that used to look up to America as the place where nothing like this could ever possibly happen. I've always believed that one of the great weaknesses that America has is that we're so strong that these kinds of things were so unthinkable that we let our guard down and realize, actually, you know what? In this day and age, they're not unthinkable. And today that was proven. It's not only not unthinkable, it's actually now physically happened. And hopefully no one has been hurt other than the essence of our democracy, which clearly is now in great peril as we maybe limp through the final days of the Trump presidency and potentially somehow survive this disaster that has been the four years of Donald Trump being the most powerful man in the world. So I just wanted to acknowledge right off the top that this happened during the taping of the podcast. I do allude to it again at the end of the podcast, but there was so much to get to because we were reviewing the last couple of weeks of insanity that we thought this was the best way to do it. So with that, let's start the actual episode as we taped it of number 135 of the Individual One podcast. This is episode number 135 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, Individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I'm your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the critically acclaimed program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a truly conservative perspective, because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. And unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's at Individual, the number one pod. 
Happy New Year to you. Uh, 2021 looks like it's going to be just as crazy as 2020 and maybe even worse. We're back after a three-week holiday break, but boy, did we miss a lot. Boy, that escalated quickly. Uh, We officially, by the way, uh, have this and then three more episodes planned, scheduled for the Individual One podcast as the Donald Trump presidency finally comes to an end, and it's coming to an end in a batshit crazy crescendo. You knew, we told you, we told you very clearly after we told you that Trump was going to lose by the exact number of electoral college votes in my last Mediate column that the lame duck session was going to be as nuts as you could possibly imagine. We're better than that. No, 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 we're we're clearly not. Uh, And boy, has that happened in absolute uh, spades, but there was no way that this reality show was going to come to an end without a very dramatic crescendo. And I have to say, uh, even I'm a little taken aback by some of the things that we have seen over the last couple of weeks, and particularly today. Today, the day when the uh, Congress is certifying the, or supposed to certify, the Electoral College votes in a formality has uh, turned into a complete shit show. And now it's going on as we tape this episode of the Individual One uh, podcast. But this all feels very much like it's got to be a dream. This whole day. I mean, just the last four years feels like it's got to be a a nightmare. Uh, But today in particular, where the, uh, the President of the United States is going on for an extended period of time whining in Washington, D.C., to a large crowd of his sycophants claiming voter fraud and that he's never going to concede and attacking every institution that there is and claiming that his vice president, Mike Pence, is going to save the day by doing something that he's not constitutionally allowed to even do by effectively stealing an election that Trump obviously lost and then having both members of the Republican House as well as the Republican Senate contesting, again, what is normally supposed to be and is always intended to be a formality in counting the Electoral College votes, a situation where these uh, results have already uh, been vetted in numerous ways, including by judges that were appointed by Donald Trump himself, where even his own attorney general, Bill Barr, who's effectively his own lawyer, has found absolutely no evidence of any sort of systematic voter fraud that would have changed the outcome in any of these states. All of this is happening. All of this is incredibly dangerous. All of this is incredibly frightening. And it was all remarkably predictable because we told you that it was going to happen. And if anything, I I might have undersold it a little bit. I told you 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 were in for something like you've never seen before in this lame duck session. And it has all come about in spades. And, of course, so one of the things I told you about was that the Georgia runoff elections were going to go poorly for Republicans. I didn't exactly predict it. I said I, my gut told me that Republicans were going to lose in those runoff elections. Uh, I did predict it on Twitter before it happened, the day before it happened, the day of uh, those elections, which was yesterday. It's not official yet, but it might as well be. Democrats are going to win both of those, just as I suspected that they would, largely because of Donald Trump uh, sabotaging the situation, uh, what should have been two pretty easy victories against horrendous candidates. The Republican candidates were terrible, but the Democratic candidates were 
horrendous for any semblance of a normal Georgia election. And Donald Trump was able to once again snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And now, when you're if you're a Republican, the White House is gone. The House of Representatives, which you had uh, for the first two years of the Trump presidency, is gone. And now the U.S. Senate is also about to be gone because it will be a 50-50 tie, which will be broken by Kamala Harris. And uh, I'm sorry, a large part of all that is the fault of Donald J. Trump. Correct. Of course, none of his Trump cult members will admit that at all. I love the poorly educated. They will all, and already are, coming up with all sorts of bizarre rationalizations for why all this happened, which have nothing to do with Donald Trump being at fault. Correct. But that's the bizarre world we now live in. You no longer have to accept reality. You no longer have to accept the truth. You can believe whatever the fuck you want to believe because there's always going to be somebody, even if it's just a website, that's going to tell you that you're right to believe what it is you want to believe. That's not the truth. The truth doesn't make a goddamn bit of difference anymore, regardless of you're a Democrat or Republican. And it's pathetic and it's dangerous. And we're seeing the results of that right before our eyes. Now, thankfully, most of this is just a show. And I, I actually think we have a little too much confidence that this is just a show. I mean, there's so many bizarre aspects of this, but one of them is, as of this taping, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 600 points. 600 points in the middle of all this chaos. You cannot be serious! Now, I don't know what it's going to be by the time we finish taping. It could go down again as people are taking profits. I know I did. <laughs> I sold a bunch of stocks before I came in to do the taping. Because this is a, this is a fucking shit show. This cannot end well. And yes, what we're seeing today is mostly a show. But it is a show that is eroding the very foundations of our institutions and of our democracy. Let me give you the shorter, real version of what's actually happening with this Republican show of farcical loyalty to their king, Donald Trump. Basically, what this is like is a prize fighter who uh, has been knocked out. And all the sycophants around him are now engaging in therapy by telling the champ, the former champ, that he's still the champ, that he's still the greatest, that he didn't really lose the fight, that he didn't really get knocked out. Uh, he slipped on the canvas. And oh, by the way, the refs had the fight rigged against him. And he's still the champ and will always be the champ. And it's all about kissing his ass because the cult members don't know any better. They can't bear the thought that their cult leader is actually a con man and a fraud. Correct. No, no. Uh, and, and the Republican leadership, I would like to believe most, if not all of them, are simply doing this out of abject fear. Correct. Abject fear. I, I would like to, there's probably a few that are true believers, and, and those are beyond my comprehension. But the vast majority of them are simply looking at the future and going, I don't want the wrath of Donald Trump's Twitter feed. I don't want Trump to go after me uh, in, in the conservative news media, which is going to be still treating him as if he is a shadow president, at least as long as he's alive and kicking. And, and it's because of that goddamn Twitter 
account that he has that all this is happening. If Twitter eliminated Donald Trump's account today, all of this would change instantaneously. But because Trump has the ability to summon his cult instantaneously via tweets. I love the poorly educated. All I know is what's on the Internet. Then that's the source of his real power at this point. And he has proven that in Republican primaries, he can dictate who wins and loses. Now, how long that power maintains itself after he's no longer president, I'm not sure. But until proven otherwise, I certainly am in the camp that believes he's going to be able to dictate a lot of events, that he's effectively the Republican Party, as sad and pathetic as that is. And so that's why Republicans are running scared. And that's why they they are doing his bidding for him, even when it comes to outright lying about who did or did not win or how legitimate or illegitimate this election was. This election was perfectly legitimate. Now, I have said before, I can't stand mail-in voting. Mail-in voting is a terrible thing. It's a terrible precedent. It is very dangerous, not just from a fraud standpoint, but from the perspective of it's just making voting way too damn easy. And that's why it benefits Democrats. So, so I'll be fully willing to admit that's partially why I don't like it. But I've always felt that voting should be more difficult, not easier in, in all ways. So I, I'm against mail-in voting, but that was the rule. Those were the rules. Many, uh, many of these states were set up by Republicans in the state legislatures, allowing this kind of mail-in voting because of the pandemic. So those were the rules. And the way the votes were counted, while very poorly uh, portrayed and, and there was no effort or very little effort to prepare people for how these results were going to come in, made absolutely perfect sense. I've said it many times before. There's nothing inherently suspect about the fact that Trump led big on election night before the mail-in votes were actually fully counted. And because the mail-in votes in the middle of a pandemic were always going to be very, 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 very anti-Trump because those are the people who are afraid to go vote in person and they're part of the COVID religion, which is what the Democratic Party has become part and parcel of. That's the reality. We've got two cults going on here. We've got the Trump cult. I love the poorly educated. And we've got the COVID cult. Blasphemy! He said it again. Those are the two cults, the two competing cults. So the Democratic cult was not going to vote in person. That's why they voted mail-in. And that's why the votes were counted in the way they were. It was very clumsily, poorly handled from a PR perspective. But there was no fraud. And by the way, I've been because I have relatives not blood relatives, by marriage. You know how that works. I have relatives by marriage who are in the camp of thinking that this thing really was rigged or that that Trump got screwed. And I try to explain to them, first of all, none of the people who should be or would be objecting to the results if this was a fraud are doing so, including, by the way, Bill Barr, as I've already mentioned. He would be the first one as attorney general who would be standing up and screaming on behalf of his buddy Donald Trump. That hasn't happened. Many other people are in that camp, too. That hasn't happened. On a local level, none of the people in these states, including Republicans in Philadelphia, in Georgia, in Arizona, have have come forward with any 
semblance of evidence or in many cases are actually working against the idea that there was some sort of widespread fraud here. And, and, and these are Republican states, Georgia and Arizona. And it's a, it, Pennsylvania is a Republican legislature. And by the way, in Philadelphia, as I try to explain to my relatives, Donald Trump got more votes and a higher percentage of vote than he did in 2016. Correct. And so how the hell does that work as far as some sort of widespread fraud? But you know what? The, I, and I actually get upset at some of these election, election officials for not making this case more strongly. Here's how I know there's not widespread fraud to the extent where a national presidential election that was decided by 7 million votes was not legitimate because we don't have, we don't even, people think we have a, a national election. We don't have a national election. We don't even really have state elections. We don't even have county elections. We have precinct elections. There are tens of thousands of precincts in this country. Do you know how this works? Each precinct has their votes tallied. And the people who are in charge of that precinct, usually someone from each party, they know what that number is. And they sign off on that number. And that number then goes to the next jurisdiction, whether it's the county or the state. And guess what? There's a fucking record of that. And if there was widespread manipulation of votes, you would have hundreds, if not thousands, of precinct captains going, what the fuck was that? that? Those aren't the numbers we signed off on because there would be a record of it because it all has to add up at the end. And so unless you're willing and able to prove an unbelievably large, nonsensical, and incredibly efficient conspiracy, go fuck yourselves with this stupid idea that Donald Trump actually lost the election. Now, you can make all the arguments you want that the media had it in for him and that mail-in voting is stupid and unfair. I'm actually fine with that. That's a legitimate argument to be made for why this happened, not whether or not it did happen. It did happen exactly that way. Trump lost. It wasn't close. I told you exactly by how much he was going to lose by for many months. And if anything, the results of the Georgia runoffs further prove that there was no nothing untoward going on, that there was no widespread fraud because both Republican candidates lost by approximately the same margin Trump lost Georgia by. I, I mean, so this is not, and, and even Trump today in his incredibly bizarre, rambling, whiny speech at his Save America rally acknowledged that because all the eyes were on Georgia last night, that that election was run more properly. Well, the results were almost exactly the same. Same constituency, close to the same turnout, Republican versus Democrat. And guess what? The results were almost exactly the same. Interestingly, there was another race on the ballot where a Republican that was not tied to Trump, guess what happened to them in Georgia? It looks like they won. Gee, I wonder how that happened. I wonder 
whether or not that would be an indication that Trump deserves blame for what happened in Georgia and why Democrats are now going to control the U.S. Senate as well as the House, as well as the White House for at least the next two years. It's Donald Trump's fault. There are a lot of other reasons. There's, there are a lot of other reasons. It's not all Trump's fault. There are a lot of mistakes being made. In fact, I'm kind of amazed the results in Georgia weren't a little bit worse considering all the circumstances. And I think that was only because the Democratic candidates are just so incredibly awful. They are socialists. They are unqualified. They are racists. And here's Georgia, a state that until Trump came along was firmly in the red category, is now seemingly becoming blue. I don't know if I believe that yet because these are some pretty unique circumstances. And uh, and again, uh, it wasn't a blowout. It looks like it's going to be one or two points at most in both of those two races. It could have gone the other way. If Trump hadn't had his head up his ass, I believe it would have gone the other way, despite all these other mistakes. The primary culprit here is Donald Trump. His fans will never admit it. But if he had tried to lose Georgia, which I told you immediately after the November election was a possibility, because you got to remember, this guy, above all else, is a narcissistic asshole. He only cares about himself. He does not give a shit about the country. He doesn't give a shit about the Republican Party. He doesn't give a damn about your kids' futures. He does, all he cares about is himself. And so here's a guy who was going to be outraged at the state of Georgia. And he was. He could not stand the fact that he lost Georgia. Because Georgia and Arizona are the two states he cannot possibly explain away having lost. If he really had a successful presidency, yet how do you lose two Republican states that you had won in 2016? So Georgia really was going to stick in his craw. And he had no personal incentive for those Republicans to win those races. In fact, you could argue, although this might actually take more intelligence than Trump possesses, it would be in his self-interest for Republicans to lose the Georgia races. Why? Because that would give Democrats control of the Senate, and that allows Democratic insanity to run amok in the next two to four years, which, if Trump wants to run for another term as president, sets the table far better for him. If Democrats had controlled the House but not the Senate, and Biden was blocked in doing anything dramatic, the argument for Trump in 2024 is not nearly as strong. But now all bets are off. Now Democrats are going to be pretty much able to do whatever Joe Manchin says they're allowed to do. Joe Manchin is the, the one last moderate Democrat senator from West Virginia who's up for re-election, I think, in two years. So he's going to be at least somewhat rational. The other 49 Democrats are going to be going for the gold. They're going to be going for the full-on socialism, especially in the middle of this pandemic, where, where Republican presidents are, are debating and urging their own caucus to support $2,000 checks for everybody making $75,000 or less. And doing so not just in a way that blows apart any semblance 
of conservatism or fiscal responsibility, but also doing so in a way that was politically suicidal. Suicidal. The deal that Trump signed off on was made, and then Trump decided, much to the Democrats' delight, to change his mind, leaving Mitch McConnell who I have no love for personally, in an impossible situation, as well as the Republican candidates in an impossible situation. Because then, once the deal had been signed off on and passed, Trump comes out and says, give them the $2,000. Come on. It's just two grand. Yeah, it's two grand times many, 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 many millions. Many, Most of these people, most of the people who would be getting them as I, I, I think there was one Republican senator willing to say, it might have been Pat Toomey, who's retiring from Pennsylvania, said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we, we already know that a large number of these people are getting these $2,000 checks haven't lost any money in the pandemic. They might have even been making money in the pandemic. How does this make any fucking sense? Doesn't matter. Trump wanted it. So now, all of a sudden, the... Republican candidates in Georgia were in an impossible situation. Mitch McConnell was in an impossible situation. McConnell, who's usually a master chess player, I believe got outplayed here. And so, you know, in a, in a race that's that close, you could argue almost anything is the difference when it's, you know, a few thousand, tens, a couple of 10, 10 20, 30,000 votes in a large state like Georgia. That can be made up fairly easily. But that definitely didn't help. Definitely did not help that in the final days of that campaign, it was Republicans in the Senate who were preventing a huge number of the voters from getting another $1,400 each. That's, I'm sorry, unfortunately, the nature of humanity, that's not a real good political message, especially given the circumstances of today. So that definitely played a role. But there are all sorts of elements that played a role in why Republicans lost in Georgia. And I believe the number one was not just Trump in general, but in particular, this issue of voter fraud and specifically voter fraud alleged in Georgia. I mean, Donald Trump has had it out for the governor of Georgia for a very long time. I think one of the biggest mistakes he made of many in the pandemic was when Georgia opened up before anybody else did. The first major state, first large state to open up after the initial panic of the pandemic. Georgia opened up in late spring and Trump attacked the Republican governor, Governor Kemp of Georgia. He attacked him for opening up too early. This after he was the one saying we got to open up for Easter, (laughs) which immediately got shot down and probably would have been a bad idea given the nature of the pandemic, at least in the Northeast, uh, in April. But the the reality is that the governor of Georgia made a courageous and I believe correct decision to give his people their freedoms back for the most part. And Trump attacked him. And then Trump has gone on after the election and blamed the governor and the secretary of state there for his election loss in Georgia. Now, let's be clear. First of all, there's no evidence that happened. That makes no goddamn sense because they're good, strong Republicans, uh, the the governor and the the secretary of state. But also, the part of this that is maybe the strangest, 
is it doesn't matter what happened in Georgia. If Trump had somehow flipped Georgia, he still loses. So this is all we're talking about here is Trump's ego. Correct. I mean, that's really all it is. And so and you would think you would think that a normal person's ego gets bruised and eventually you you heal and you, you get over it. Not Donald Trump. No, 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 no. And I've always told you this is the biggest flaw he has. He's a narcissistic egomaniac. It's hard to pick his biggest flaw, but that's that's probably the biggest. If not, it's darn close to the biggest. And so here he is the weekend before the weekend before a critical, historically critical runoff race where the, the, the state of the U.S. Senate is at stake. Potentially the future of the entire country is at stake. And what does Donald Trump decide to do? He decides to engage in a phone call with the Secretary of State of Georgia to complain slash intimidate him into trying to reverse the results in the state of Georgia. Now, this would be unbelievable, unconscionable, and possibly even illegal, depending on how you defined what Trump's intent was and what his actual words were, which are always difficult to do, if there wasn't a runoff in Georgia. But there was. So for for all sorts of reasons, this was an absolutely horrendous idea. And to protect themselves, and I don't blame them for this, the Secretary of State and the, the person he was on the phone call with, it might have been Gabriel Sterling, I'm not 100% sure, one of the officials he was on the phone with, they recorded the phone call. And apparently they were never going to release the recording of the phone call unless Trump publicly lied about the nature of the call. Well, Trump being Trump, he, of course, did exactly that. Correct. The day after the phone call, he goes on Twitter and he lies about it. So immediately, and I have to say, my gut, my initial gut reaction was wrong on this call. I thought this, first of all, I thought the audio was way too good for this to have been recorded on the Georgia side. Uh but I also thought, from a political standpoint, it made more sense for Trump to actually leak this or someone close to Trump to actually leak the phone call. But it was not leaked by Trump. In fact, he's claiming, of course, he will never do this because it's not his M.O., that he's suing the Georgia officials over releasing the phone call. Uh, what we're about to play for you here is uh, about four minutes of audio clips. Now, these are not... Uh, This is edited. This is not all one clip as it actually happened, but it's in order. And I don't believe that it's dramatically out of context. Now, context, I'm a big believer in context. Uh, The Trump fans will tell you, oh, this is all being taken out of context because the one line that's getting so much attention is that Trump wants to find, find a very specific number of votes, the number of votes that would allow him to overtake Joe Biden in Georgia. Now, that certainly sounds horrendous uh, with no other context. But here's where I would give a a counterargument to context, because I'm Mr. Context. I believe context is everything, and I hate when things are taken out of context. But you have to understand Donald Trump. Donald Trump 
while he's no genius, he is a savant in certain areas. And we saw this with the Ukrainian phone call. I believe that what you're about to hear is probably almost exactly how the infamous Ukrainian phone call that ended up getting him impeached went down. Trump is a mob boss at his heart. He's dealt with the mob. One of the many things that somehow never got a lot of attention when he was running for president is that in the 1980s, doing New York real estate, he had to deal with the mob on a regular basis. And he knows from his dealings with the mob that this is what you do. You spend, if it's an hour-long phone call, you spend 58 minutes making sure that everyone knows you're on the record, that nothing illegal is happening and you're not doing anything wrong and you're just trying to find out what the truth is and, you know, you just want the right thing to happen and you're setting it all up for the big ask. That's what you're doing or the tell, depending on how much leverage you have in the situation. So you have to ignore. In fact, the context is purposely set up by Trump. Because it's all about plausible deniability. It's all about what might a jury think if they hear this conversation. And is there going to be enough plausible deniability for a not guilty verdict? That's the way a mob boss would think about it. Well, in my view, much like with the Ukrainian phone call, where a lot of the Ukrainian phone call is innocuous, it's the... Can you do me a favor? Can you do us a favor part that it's all being set up for? Well, the can you do us a favor part is I need you to find over 11,000 votes. So here is a, a snippet or several snippets from the phone call put together by The Washington Post, who was leaked the audio Uh, from the Secretary of State of Georgia, and it's uh, Trump describing a whole bunch of things related to the Georgia vote, but eventually gets to the key phrase of finding votes. And there's there's nothing wrong with with saying that, Brad. You know, I mean, having having a correct—the people of Georgia are angry, and these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night, along with others that we're going to have by that time, which are much more substantial even— And the people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Now, do you think it's possible that they uh, shredded ballots in uh, Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And also that Dominion took out machines. Uh, that Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their uh, machinery. Do you know anything about that? Because that's illegal. No, Ryan Germany. No, Dominion has not um, moved any machinery out of Fulton County. We're having. Well, but no, but, but have they moved? Have they have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? No. Are you sure, Ryan? I'm sure. You should want to have an accurate election, and you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. You know what they did, and you're not reporting it. That's a. You know, that's a criminal. That's a criminal offense, and and you know you can't let that happen. That's that's a big risk to you and to Ryan.
your lawyer. That's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard, and they are removing machinery, uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines, and you can't let it happen, and you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. So, so tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to reexamine it, and you can reexamine it, but, but reexamine it with people that want to find answers, not people that don't want to find answers. Uh, for instance, I'm hearing Ryan, and he's probably, I'm sure, a great lawyer and everything, but he's making statements about those ballots that he doesn't know. But he's making them with such, he, he did make them with surety, but now I think he's less sure because the answer is they all went to Biden. And that alone wins us the election by a lot. You know, so. Mr. President, uh, you have people that submit information, and we have our people that submit information, and then it comes before the court, and the court then has to make a determination. We have to stand by our numbers. We believe our numbers are right. Well, under law, you're not allowed to give faulty election results, okay? You're not allowed to do that, and that's what you've done. This is a faulty election result. And honestly, this should go very fast. You should meet tomorrow because you have a big election election coming up, and because of what you've done to the president, you know, the people of, of uh, Georgia know that this was a scam. And because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going out to vote. And a lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president. Okay? They hate it. And they're going to vote. And if you would be respected, if really respected, if this thing could be straightened out before the election. You have a big election coming up on Tuesday. Now, of course, when the audio was released, the left immediately put Donald Trump in jail. This is a crime. Uh, and, uh, you know, he should be impeached again, even though he's only got a few days left in office. I'm as outraged by as anybody by that phone call. I don't know whether or not it legally constitutes a crime. I just don't know. It's not my area of expertise. Interestingly, James Comey was out with a an op-ed today saying that uh, no matter what crimes Trump uh, committed while in office, he shouldn't be prosecuted for them. I don't fully understand why Comey, of all people, would be saying that, but Comey's all over the map. Uh, on these issues, because I think he has an awful lot of guilt about uh, how and why uh, Trump got elected. But there's no question in my mind that the mob boss in Trump is coming out there where he says, we need to find, or I want to find, meaning you, uh, I want to find enough votes where I win the state. Again, to be clear, it doesn't matter if he wins the state except for his own ego, because he would still lose the presidency. And as you could tell there, the Secretary of State of Georgia was rather befuddled and, and uh, confused as to how even to respond to some of these conspiracy theories. Uh, an official that works with him, Gabrielle Sterling, who's a Republican, seems like a very smart guy and, and has done a seemingly a good job during all this chaos. He actually held 
a, a press conference or a press statement to try to address some of the things that are in the tape. And even he was, I think, struggling at times. How, how do you disprove that you know, aliens have, have visited us from outer space? Because that's kind of what Trump is talking about here. But here is a uh, almost two-minute clip of uh, Gabriel Sterling, uh, who uh, works on uh, these issues for the state of Georgia and is a Republican trying to address uh, some of the nonsensical things that Trump said in the phone call. We've seen nothing in our investigations of any of these data claims that shows there's nearly enough ballots to change the outcome. And the secretary and I at this podium have said since November 3rd, there is illegal voting in every single election in the history of mankind because there are human beings involved in the process. It's going to happen. It's a question of limiting it and putting as many safeguards as you can in place to make sure it doesn't happen. All right. Oh, yeah. We had part of the hand tally be discussed in relation to the potential double scanning. Let's just go to the other ridiculous claims that Dominion voting machines are somehow using fractional voting or flipping votes. Again, by doing the hand tally, it shows none of that is true. Not a whit. And let's go back to the overall claims about Dominion voting systems in general. If you look in Wisconsin, they're claiming Wisconsin was stolen through Dominion voting machines. In the 14 counties in which Dominion voting machines were used in Wisconsin, the president got 59% of the vote. And the, in the counties in Pennsylvania, where Dominion voting machines were used, he got 52.5% of the vote. He made a claim at one point that over 900,000 votes were deleted by Dominion machines. And the 14 counties where that, where that happened, they had 1.3 million people vote. That was 70-some-odd um, percent plus, 76% uh, turnout. In order for 900,000 to have been deleted, they would have had to have 160% or 130% turnout. That did not happen because it cannot happen. Again, this is all easily, provably false. Yet the president persists. Yet the president persists based upon absolutely nothing at all. No facts, no logic, no reality. It's a fantasy world. And good for the Republican officials in Georgia for standing up and saying, no, this is nonsense. This, this didn't happen. And it may or may not have helped contribute to Republicans losing those two Senate seats. And once you lose those two Senate seats, those are difficult seats to get back, especially as Georgia is clearly turning more and more purple. So uh, the, these, this was a courageous stand to stand up for what was true and what was right. And I respect them for it, even though it may have helped contribute because of all the chaos. I mean, it had to hurt Republican turnout, especially when Trump is at his rally the night before. This is so after this happens, Trump has a rally in Georgia where he does basically nothing but rip into Republican officials. Correct. Including the secretary of state, including the governor, even promising to uh, campaign against them in a year and a half when they run for reelection. It's just unbelievable. You cannot be serious. The day before he's asking Republicans to get out to vote in a critical election for Republican incumbent senators. It, it, there's just no words for this. It's just flat out ridiculous. And, and it has massive repercussions for the country and, yes, for the Republican Party and, and for all of our futures here. And, uh, and, and, you know, above all else, Trump is just an asshole. 
And one of the best examples of that in the last few days has been his treating of Vice President Mike Pence. During that rally in Georgia, he came up with their, or articulated this crazy theory that somehow the vice president is basically given the authority and the ability to, uh, to revoke the entire election, to, to change the results, to throw them out. That's not true. It's not true. It's a pure formality the vice president is tasked with performing. But in Trump's diseased mind, Pence was his last line of defense. And so here was Trump at the rally uh, in Georgia leaning on Mike Pence to save the day. Nothing the radical Democrats will not do to get power that they so desperately crave, even the outright stealing of elections like they're trying to do with us. We're not going to let it happen over the past. And I hope Mike Pence comes through for us, I have to tell you. I hope that our great vice president, our great vice president comes through for us. He's a great guy. Of course, if he doesn't come through, I won't like him quite as much. Now, Mike is a great guy. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful man and a, a smart man and a man that I like a lot. But he's going to have a lot to say about it. And he, you know one thing with him, you're going to get straight shots. He's going to call it straight. <laughs> well, unfortunately for Trump, uh, Mike Pence decided to call it straight. And uh, reportedly, the next day, Pence went into Trump uh, and told him he wasn't going to be able to do what Trump wanted him to do. And you would have thought that that would have been the end of it. You know, they had a heart to heart. And Pence said, look, Mr. President, I can't do what you're asking me to. I don't have the power to do that. And instead of accepting that, last night, Trump tweeted again that Mike Pence has this power and he's expecting him to do the right thing. And we're all counting on Mike Pence. That's a dick move. That's a complete dick move. And as it turned out, Mike Pence did exactly what he was supposed to do and released a letter explaining why he was doing what he was supposed to do. And my guess is, although this is part comedy, there's reality, unfortunately, in this comical world we're now living in. Trump is going to disown him now. I never really knew Mike Pence that well. He's a big loser. Capital letters. He's way too religious. Uh, I never really liked him. Uh, you know, he's a lightweight. Who named him vice president to begin with? That's what's going to finally happen uh, between Trump and Pence, uh, if uh, history is any guide. But it just, it's just another example of what a dick Donald Trump is. And so what does this Georgia result really mean? Well, it means that socialism and tyranny are now going to come to America even more so than they already have. And uh, I've always, always expected the socialism part, the tyranny part of this equation has come as a shock and a, and a horrifying surprise to me. Uh, it's because of, obviously, the COVID pandemic. Uh, COVID proved that, um, to me, that my one hope for America when it comes to socialism is that it might be happening too fast, too soon, and then there might be a backlash against it. But COVID proved that's not the case. No, no, this is the time. This is the place. This is the opportunity. The Trump presidency has opened wide that opportunity, and that's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. The Democrats control everything. 
Uh, is there still a semblance of a chance that this might be happening too fast and too dramatically? I guess there's a semblance of hope for that. I would like to hold on to some semblance of hope. Uh, I don't have much because that's that's the great irony of what Georgia did. Georgia, the first major free state to get their freedom back, voted for tyranny when at least when it comes to the pandemic. I don't know that they realized that. I doubt many of them understood that, but that's what they just did. That's the great irony. They just voted tyranny for themselves. And make no mistake, it's coming. It's already here. It ain't going away. There's no sign it's going away. In fact, there's every indication that it's not going away. Uh, the, the, the people who have instituted this are already coming up for all sorts of excuses why the vaccine's not enough to release us from tyranny. Dr. Fraudshi actually admitted, and this was a major but still not nearly large enough story, that he lied about how much, uh, quote-unquote, uh, herd immunity or how many, how many people need to be infected with the COVID uh, either vaccine or with the virus itself to get to herd immunity. He admitted that he lied about that percentage and that he was basing that on polling data on polling data you cannot be serious and this is important not just because it, uh, it, it he could be totally wrong on herd immunity which is a critical concept here but because it shows his mo it shows that if he did it with herd immunity and he and he inflated the numbers because he was trying to get people to take the vaccine which not surprisingly some people even in the healthcare industry are not doing and that we're never going to get to those percentages that these people are saying we need, 70 80%, which is a ludicrous number. But that number is not based in science. It's based in politics. And Fauci admitted it. But no one, of course, connected the dots that this is his MO. This is what he's been doing all along, specifically with regard to masking and why he flipped dramatically from being against masks to now being Mr. Mask, except, of course, when he's done throwing out the first pitch at a Major League Baseball game or if he's posing for the cover of In Style magazine. He doesn't really believe in masks. He did it because his fan base demanded it, because he's poll-driven, not science-driven. And when politics dictates science, it's not science anymore. And that's what's happened throughout all of this. It's been about politics, not about science. And this is why we're done. It's over. I wrote a column about how America's essence was killed in 2020, enabled by the media. You can find it at our Twitter uh, account, which is at individual one pod. That's at individual, the number one pod. And uh, and so I urge you to take a look at that. I mean, I, I realize I get uh, labeled as a pessimist, but I'm often, unfortunately, very right. And, and I'm trying to figure out some semblance of hope in all this, but it's becoming very, very difficult to do because there's no coming back from this. This has gone on too long. It's now too embedded. The, the powers that be are way too invested. The media is way too invested. Democrats are now having complete and total control over the, the national politic. Uh, the, the public uh, is, is going to soon forget what the hell life was like in February of 2019. It's becoming embedded in our new DNA. And it's not a conspiracy theory, but it's true. This whole Great Reset is happening, whether it's designed or not. That's what's happening. There's no way around it now. And there's no sign that in the short run that the statistics are going to be able to enable anybody to fight back against this. Uh, United Kingdom locking down even further. Even though lockdowns clearly don't work, 
Yep, lockdowns don't work. Result, answer, more lockdowns, more cowbell. Lockdowns don't work. We got to lock down harder. Masks don't work. We got to mask harder. Oh, and by the way, not only is the vaccine not good enough, and we're never going to get enough people to take the vaccine for us to be totally 100% done with this virus. Now there's a new strain, a new strain. It's a super COVID, which I don't believe. I, I mean, this is totally normal for a virus, but these people are desperate to keep this going. There are people who are very powerful, who are invested in all this, and now there's more fear porn. And the vaccine rollout has been pathetic. It's been a joke. In many states, the older population is not even getting the vaccine, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. You cannot be serious! And tells you a lot about how urgent this all really is, right? I mean, if it really was as urgent as we've been told, why the hell... Are we not doing everything we can to get older populations that are most vulnerable to this the vaccine as immediately as possible? It's not happening in many states. Partially, I'm sure, because of incompetence, but also because there there seems to be a political element to this. And and there might even be a, a fear that if you give old people the vaccine and old people start dying naturally, that the vaccine's gonna get blamed for it. That's how fucked up all this is. And as far as the whole COVID situation, I'm as confused as to what really has happened here, where we're going as anybody. I'm, I'm starting, to, con- I'm starting to, to question all of our presumptions. I'm now wondering whether the test is so unreliable that actually fewer people have had COVID than we think and that the virus is actually more deadly than we had hoped that it would be at one point. That it is actually far more deadly than the flu, but that we're, it's not as contagious as we've been told that it was. That's just purely a theory based upon my confusion over trying to make all of this fit into one sensible narrative, including the fact that it took so long here in the United States for this thing to even be noticed. We now know for sure we had this in, in November, December of 2019. And, and it, we never even started counting it until March of 2020. So how, how do you explain that? How do you explain that if this is as contagious as we've been told? How do you explain that? I know numerous married couples, one who gets it, one who doesn't. How does that make any damn sense? How does it make any sense that after 10 months of testing, only 7% of the population has tested positive with an incredibly sensitive test? So... I don't know anymore. I really don't. I, I don't know that anybody does. That's the biggest problem. I don't think the experts have any idea either. And as and maybe the greatest indication of just how bat crap crazy the last few weeks have been is that I barely even mentioned the pardons that Donald Trump gave just before Christmas. After having already pardoned Mike Flynn, he pardons Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos, all for crimes that they were either convicted of or they admitted to, and some of which actually related to him specifically. Correct. And that's where he crosses a line that no other president has ever crossed before. It's one thing to give pardons to your associates, people who work for you, people who actually did commit crimes, people who admitted to crimes, were convicted by juries of crimes, even though you tried to influence the jury pool in a couple of those cases, including the Roger Stone and Paul Manafort cases, they, they, they legitimate convictions. It's one thing to overturn those with a presidential pardon, but to do so when some of those crimes were related directly to you is beyond 
outrageous. Correct. Beyond the pale, even for Donald Trump. And we don't even remember that. It happened only a couple of weeks ago, and it's as if it never even occurred. That's how bizarre this world we're now living in is. We've become so damn desensitized. And that's one of the many, many problems going forward for the country and for the Republican Party now that they have no real power. Their only theoretical power is to push back, attack, and block what the Democrats want, but they now have no credibility in doing so. And we're not going to be outraged by anything Joe Biden and the Democrats do because they can't possibly come up with anything nearly as outrageous as what Donald Trump has done for the last four years. And we'll probably continue to do right till the moment that he is no longer in office on January 20th. And we will continue to do the Individual One podcast right through the inauguration, till the week after the inauguration, basically through the month of January. So we've got three more episodes left. I will get back to Ask John Anything. Uh, we, had, we did part one of that just before Christmas. Uh, next week, we'll do another portion of Ask John Anything. And so if you still have questions for Ask John Anything, we'll get to them either next week or the following couple of weeks. You can do so by responding to the tweet of this podcast, or you can email me directly at talktozig at AOL.com. That's T-A-L-K-T-O-Z-I-G, talktozig at AOL.com. And we'll add your question to an already rather large list of questions for Ask John Anything. But uh, this has been an absolutely uh, extraordinary and depressing day for the United States of America. And uh, we actually had to restart this podcast just to review with an update that occurred while we were taping that the capital of the United States of America had been stormed by Trump protesters and shut down in the process of debating and voting on the Electoral College. That's how far we have fallen. Where we, the greatest democracy that America has was and that the world has ever created, the beacon for democracy, is unable to properly count its Electoral College votes not just because of technical objections that were based on bullshit, but because of actual violence and a raid against the building, breaking into the building by Trump protesters. Pictures that are going to horrify not just freedom-loving Americans, democracy-loving Americans, but people around the world. I, I, I mean... Things that I never thought were even conceivable in America happening right now, all because of Donald Trump, which is why, as if we needed any more evidence, why the Donald Trump experiment, this last ditch gambit by desperate Republicans pissed off for having lost to Barack Obama twice, was the dumbest chess move in the history of the world. You gave up everything. You gave up everything in exchange for being able to own the libs, get a temporary tax cut, and a few judges that turned out to be useless. Basically a bunch of magic beans. You sold everything for a bunch of magic beans. Everything. Our way of life, our democracy, Let's be, let's be clear, we're under the COVID tyranny partially because Donald Trump was in office when this happened 
and the way the liberals reacted was because Donald Trump was in office and so much of this is a reaction to him and their hatred of him, it would not be happening if Hillary Clinton was president of the United States. No way, no how, not anything close to what we have seen. Not in the United States of America. We have given up everything now, and Donald Trump isn't even done yet. And so, uh, you know, I wish there was some semblance of hope to hang on to here. And I'm sure that, you know, things will get better in the next few days or weeks once Trump is gone. But we have been exposed here. We have been exposed in the worst possible way. Donald Trump has has provoked and exposed all of our worst possible instincts. Nobody has passed this test. Nobody. It's sad and it's pathetic. And I don't have anything else to say about it for now. But until next week, I thank you for listening. Send me a question for Ask John Anything. And uh, until next time, my name is John Ziegler. This is the Global Story Network. (laughs) 